0: This is Put a label on somebody and say, because they're like that, I'm not gonna do for them what I would want to be done for me in that situation. But I'm here to tell you, if that's your ethics, that is one way to live, but it's not the way of Jesus. It's not what it means to live into the kingdom. And so, so much of the challenge of today, I believe, is to get people not to think politically, but to think biblically.
1: Love God, love others. It's the refrain of the Bible. This essential part of walking with Jesus is what Pastor Daniel calls Christianity 101. It sounds really good, but man, it's hard to do. Well, thankfully, the book of James has a lot to say on this topic. Today, Pastor Daniel explains that loving impartially requires you to change your perspective and think biblically instead of politically. God's way is all about self-sacrificial love. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter two as he continues his message, Be Impartial. Jesus is
0: So Jesus is an example of he treated everybody equally. He didn't give preference to the people who they thought could advance the cause in the social environment. And then James says, you guys should treat people the exact same way. Now you have to ask yourself, How is it that you show differentiation, partiality, favoritism to different people? Let me give you a couple of common ones, and you're all not going to like me for it, but I just got to do it. How many of you at work talk to your boss differently than you talk to your coworkers? You know the goody two-shoes, the brown nosers? Yeah, that's favoritism. For those of you in school. How many of you, when the teacher's in the classroom, you are like the perfect little angel, and right as they leave, you're the first one throwing something? I was that person. It's so evil. But again, that's showing partiality. How do you treat the people that you know and see every day as opposed to if your favorite movie star showed up at your house? Oh, right? Right? Or, like, if, if a politician showed up, your favorite politician, I don't know if there is a favorite politician, but if you had one, how would you, like, how would you act? And how many times do you see, that you hear those stories, like, you know, like, you meet somebody who's famous, and then you're like, why did I act like such a weirdo? Well, because you're showing partiality. You're not acting normal. <gasps> right? It's like all of that is exactly what James is talking about. And we have to make sure that as followers of Jesus, because our who we are is rooted in who he is, that we do not show partiality, that we don't show differentiation or favoritism based on who somebody is. And James is unpacking that for us. now this isn't new to the book of James because listen to what it says in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 15 it says you shall do no injustice in judgment you shall not be partial to the poor nor honor the person of the mighty in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor." so he's saying you shouldn't not be kind to people who are impoverished and choose to honor people who have wealth and are mighty but we should in righteousness we should treat people And brothers and sisters, in righteousness, you should treat people, which means you should treat everybody the same. Don't favor people over people. Really what we should do is we should treat people the way Jesus did. Jesus, sees everybody created in the image and likeness of God and also fatally flawed by sin. And that's the way we should treat people. And so James is unpacking that. And it's really simple, but it is as common in their culture as it is in our culture. Now, what's interesting here is, as it relates to the, the rich person or the poor person, James also wants to bring to light the fact, and something that we need to remember, is that in the first generation of Christians, and really for the first 300 years of Christianity, Christians were primarily socially marginalized. So in the Roman Empire, when Jesus came in that first century, primarily the church was impoverished and they were persecuted by the establishment, the empire. And if you don't believe me, just read any church history about the first 300 years, right? The church grew extraordinarily in the midst of tremendous persecution, the people who were Christians were marginalized. There was no such thing as meeting in a church like Crossroads. I remember when uh, my bride, Linda, and I, we traveled into the Middle East, and we would go to churches, and the first thing that shocked me, and it really changed my perspective on a lot of things, is we would go to churches, but there'd be no signs on the buildings. I remember we went to this one church, and there was literally armed guards, and there was a gate. You wouldn't even know that it was a church because it looked like every other building, but then when we went on inside, there were believers in there. And I, and I hadn't even thought about the fact that, like, the fact that you can just walk in the doors here. There's a big sign. It says on the street, Jesus is real. Like, we're not very subtle here at Crossroads. <laughs> hey, man, we're talking about Jesus here at Crossroads. And you just roll on in. You roll in however you want to roll in. No matter what your background, you just roll on in at Crossroads, right? But historically, and in a lot of places, it's not like that. And so for the early church, their belief in Jesus cost them their lives. There was tremendous persecution, first from the Jewish religious establishment and then from the Roman establishment, right? For hundreds of years until the Edict of Toleration and the Edict of Constantine, which then made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And then Christianity had this privileged place within the power structure of the Western world up until kind of more recently, where now we see the church being more marginalized by the culture. And for those of you who've been alive for a while, and if you've been in Christ for a while, while, the transition from the church having a place, uh, a special place within culture to being marginalized is very challenging. But here's what I want to tell you. If you read church history, the church has never been stronger than when it has been marginalized by culture. Because what happens is, is when the church is embraced by the power structures that be, it can rely upon that power structure. But I'm here to tell you, the power structure of government or empire, it's a false power. Because it's not an eternal power. And when the church can't rely upon the government, it has to rely on who? Jesus who the government sits on his shoulders, and of his kingdom, there'll be no end. And I'm not saying that it's easy to transition, because I know a lot of us here, you know, like, I'm only 45, so my time in the church has always been when the church has been kind of more, I remember when I got saved, when I was in college, people were like, you're a Christian? There's no Christians around here, because, like, it was already not cool, you know, and so... But now as as culture progresses, many of you are struggling with it. But here's what I want to show you. Because there's a simple example of how the church can blossom when it's only Jesus. And that's uh, modern-day China. If you read uh, church history at all, when they had that great, uh, they call it the great purge in China, there were Western missionaries in there, uh, Hudson Taylor, if you've never read Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets, write it down, phenomenal missionary biography. He, re- he led the China Inland Mission, and literally they purged all Western missionaries out of China, and they're like, we're going to destroy Christianity in China. And you know what happened? The greatest, one of the greatest revivals in history, there are more Christians in China without Western missionaries than there are citizens in America right now. The church was completely underground, completely persecuted, grew like gangbusters, Why? Because the church in China could only rely upon Jesus, not the government. Not the protection of the government, not the the benefits of the government. Now, I'm not saying that I want things to get harder for us, but I'm here to tell you, when we don't show partiality and we root who we are in Jesus, Jesus does a great work. And in a lot of ways, we live in a day and age where our culture teaches us to show partiality to people who vote like you, people who look like you, people who who, who do all these things. And Jesus says, yeah, none of that. So what would it look like for each one of us to choose today to not live with partiality, but to simply trust Jesus and treat everybody the same? It kind of sounds like the kingdom of God, doesn't it? And that's exactly what James is inviting us into. So listen, I always want to encourage you, treat people like people, created by God, sustained by God, created in his image and likeness, flawed by sin, but possible to be redeemed. And that means no matter what their ethnicity is, no matter what their social status is, no matter what their education is, no matter who they vote for, how do we treat people? Exactly the same. And you might say to yourself, well, Fusco, When you say treat them the same, what do you mean by that? Well, guess what? I'm so happy you asked. Because listen to what it says now. James chapter 2, verse 8, it says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So I would say to you this way, brothers and sisters, you and I, we need to live well. By loving well. We need to live well by loving well. Now, I get to live well. Notice verse eight. It says, if you fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do what? Well. So brothers and sisters, the ways that we treat people as Christians is we live well by loving well. The way we should treat people is with love. Now, if you know the Bible at all, you realize that this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, is a quotation from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which was quoted by Jesus in Matthew 22, verse 39, when they asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? You got to love Jesus. He's like, you want one commandment? I'll give you two. You shall love your neighbor, or he says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. He gets that from Deuteronomy 6. So this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here at Crossroads, we call this what? Upward, inward, and outward, right? Jesus says, listen, it's all about God's love for you. That's upward. And then God's love for you changes the way you see and love yourself. Because I'm here to tell you, you love yourself. The problem is you just do it in a jacked up way like all the rest of us. So God's love changes the way we see ourselves because you love your neighbor what? As you love yourself, that's what it means. But then you love your neighbor, it's the way you treat people outwardly. So what's beautiful is James roots the ethics of Christianity in the person of Jesus and he says, if you wanna treat people with partiality, how should you do it? You should fulfill the royal law that says love your neighbor as yourself. Now, isn't it cool that he calls it the royal law? That means the regal law. It means the law of the king. See, loving your neighbor as yourself is the way the kingdom of heaven works when Jesus is the center. And it's a royal law. It's not a temporal law where you treat rich people differently than poor people. You treat Republicans different than Democrats. You treat people of different ethnicities differently because of your prejudices or issues. no. He says, the royal law is you love the people who are next to you, your neighbors, the way that you love yourself. And I'm here to tell you, all of our life as Christians should be lived through this grid. And I'm here to tell you, it is as challenging to do today as at any other time, because the church of Jesus Christ doesn't really want to love their neighbor as themselves all that often. Now, you might say, so folks like, like, so how do we do this? Well, It's simple. You ask yourself in every situation, if I was in someone else's situation, the other's situation, how would I want them to treat me in the same situation? And right there, what you're asking is, what does love require of me in the way that I treat people? And that is choosing to love your neighbor. And that word love, it literally means a self-sacrificial love, not a self-exalting love, but a love that is willing to give of itself. And Jesus said this is the greatest commandment. Now James is calling it the royal law. And he's saying that you know you're not living with partiality when you choose to love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you do what you do well. And notice what he says. Because James wants to make sure that nobody misses the point. He says, but if you show partiality, you commit what? Sin. And are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Now... Can James be any more clear than that? He's like, look, if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, you're showing partiality, and that makes, means you're committing sin, and according to the law, you're guilty. Talk about where the rubber meets the road, huh? Now, here's what I want to say about this. It is too easy in our divided day and age for people not to treat other people the way they'd want to be treated. It's too easy to... Put a label on somebody and say, because they're like that, I'm not going to do for them what I would want to be done for me in that situation. But I'm here to tell you, if that's your ethics, that is one way to live, but it's not the way of Jesus. It's not what it means to live into the kingdom. And so, so much of the challenge of today, I believe, is to get people not to think politically, but to think biblically. Because our culture says, if they don't vote the way you vote, then call them names. Tell them they're dumb, right? If you know, and we live in you know, we we have this thing like with masks today because we're it's we're in the middle of this thing, right? And people are like, "Listen, your liberty's at stake," right? So that's one side, and I'm like, actually, love is at stake. Now I'm not saying everyone should do what I'm doing. I don't wear a mask because I'm scared of a disease. I'm also 45. I got no pre-existing conditions. Like. If something were, if I were to get COVID, I'm not really too worried that I would have, like, some issues. But there's lots of people here who, if I got it and I passed it to you, you would have issues. And because I'm not in the vulnerable category, I actually love you enough to say, I don't want you to feel more vulnerable around me. Now, that's the way I'm processing it. Because when I read this, that's loving. I was talking to a doctor recently, local doctor said, Pastor Daniel, I want to thank you. Crossroads is a very visible church. I know you're taking a lot of heat for it from the Christian community, but thank you for modeling, encouraging people to wear masks in group settings. You're helping us. Because if you try and go to the emergency room right now, if you break your arm, it's going to take you 30 hours to get in the emergency room. That's, that's real. No, I'm not making that up. The reason we do that is because I've made a decision in my life that I want you to make in yours. If you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake on being more loving, not less. If you're going to make a mistake, be more kind than less kind. If you're going to make a mistake, be more gracious than less gracious. See, so often we're like, well, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to be so loving that I miss God's heart. And I'm like, listen, it's always easier to be loving and you go too far. And, he, and God's like, no, no, this is hypocritical now. This isn't actually real love. This is not love married to truth. This is just love for love's sake. But it's a lot easier for God to pull us back the other way than when you're so sure that you're right And you're not loving. And Jesus is like, man, listen, I died on the cross for you. You should die for other people. And you're like, no. My rights tell me I don't have to. And I think it's a lot harder to move the other direction. So listen, I want to encourage you. I'm not saying you have to wear masks. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what does love ask of you? With your kids. On your job. In your community. Because when we fulfill the, if you really fulfill the royal law that says love your neighbor as yourself. It says you do well. And you want to hear well well done, good and faithful servant. You'll know you do it when you choose love over everything else. Because the greatest of these is what? The fruit of the spirit is what? When they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he said, love God, your neighbor, yourself. That's how it works. So this is Christianity 101. But it feels like it's a master class because we live in a world where people do not know how to love and instead of the church grounding its way, its living in the world in which we live that doesn't know self-sacrificial love, Jesus says, no, no, when you follow me, this is what it looks like. And then James says, and if you don't, you're showing partiality and you're sinning. So then the question becomes, when I show partiality and I sin, what happens? Well, once again, so happy you asked. That's what James says next. Verse 10, it says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, but also said, do not murder. But if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, really what this means, and this is so important, is that you and I, we need to find freedom in Jesus. Then we say, well, Fusco, where does the word freedom pop in? Well, verse 12, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by what? The law of what? Liberty. And what else is liberty translated as? Freedom. And really what this is teaching us is this is teaching us what the universal human problem is. And it's the fact that all of us have been found to be lawbreakers given God's law. Right? That all of us find ourselves as transgressors of God's law. Now, notice what it says. Because remember it says, if you show partiality, you commit sin. And you are convicted by the law as transgressors. So when you don't love, you sin against God's law, and then you're convicted as somebody who's broken the law. And then it says, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of all the law. Now, that's a a powerful idea. And here's the idea. If you go to a jail right now, and I don't want you to go to jail to find out, but you understand what I'm saying. If you go to jail, everybody in there has broken the law. Now, there are all different reasons they've broken the law, but they've all broken the law. And because of the law is what it is, they're judged by the law. So maybe is tax fraud, someone is murder, someone is this and someone is that. They're all different reasons people are there, but they're all there for the same issue that they broke the law. And James is saying, listen, if you do good in one area, but you don't do good in the other area, you are still fall by the law as a whole. And what he does is he uses, look at verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. But if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Now, you know that Jesus is, or James is using some of the Ten Commandments, which you find in Exodus chapter 20, and then also in Deuteronomy chapter 5. The second tablet of the law, he's saying, look, The same God who said, don't commit adultery, also said, don't murder. So if if you're doing good on the adultery, but you're killing people, you've still broken the law. Now you might say, well, Fusco, that's kind of a crazy statement. I mean, like, I haven't murdered anybody. Do you remember how Jesus interpreted all this in the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus said that you murder somebody when you hate them. And Jesus said that you commit adultery when you lust after somebody. Nasty. Like, that's challenging now. Because Jesus is saying... The law gets broken in the physical because it first happens in the heart. It begins internally before it plays out in real time. Jesus is saying, listen, yeah, you may never have cheated on your spouse, but if you lusted after someone in your heart, you actually have internally. And it begins in the heart and then we all live from the heart outward. And so what he's saying is that Although each one of us has a different set of struggles, really what he's getting at here is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Maybe you've never lusted after someone, but you do look down on people because you have an internal pride. Maybe you have stolen all sorts of stuff, but you've always believed in Jesus. You've never taken the Lord's name in vain. Maybe you have never in your life hated somebody, but you've coveted something that somebody has. He's saying... Whatever your struggle is, you've broken the law.
1: Jesus is real. So you've broken God's law. We all have. But where do you go from here? Today, Pastor Daniel urged you to turn to Jesus and find freedom in him. You see, Jesus came to fulfill the law and take the penalty that was meant for you This is the best news. Not only does Jesus rescue you, but the Holy Spirit ushers in a total life transformation. It's not up to you to figure out how to change yourself. He's there with you, guiding you along and giving you everything you need to live God's way. You only need to say yes and simply respond to Jesus. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will press on in exploring how your faith can impact the way you live your everyday life. He'll share that God is inviting you into something new. He wants to transform you from the inside out and help you put your faith into action. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Where the Rubber meets the Road. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.